You literally have been telling us for decades that the reason you don't owe us money and you get to pay slave wages is because you're from the Bahamas. Okay, so yep. go to the Bahamas or go to Grand Cayman or whatever and, and ask them for money. GTFO. Uh, this is ridiculous. Welcome to another episode of the Crypto Basic Podcast. Brent Philbin here with Adam Levy. Adam Ruthless Levy and Kareem Baruke. We're having an episode today where we're talking about some easy mistakes to make if you're new to crypto. Now, there are a lot of actual tangents in this episode. So if you like tangent-laden episodes, you're going to love this. It's not as pointed as we wanted it to be. But what we are going to do is we're going to start off with a story where I made a massive mistake. I sent a bunch of money to a wallet that is out in space. I'll never get it back. And you're going to find out how that happened, how you can protect yourself from doing the same thing that I did, and how nobody is above making these mistakes in crypto. We're also going to talk about a lot of the easy mistakes that somebody new to crypto can make. We're going to go one by one through them and talk about what you should do instead of make these mistakes. And then towards the end, we're going to Go over an article really quickly that ties back to an older episode of the podcast that in an interesting way. So I won't spoil that. You'll be able to hear that towards the end of the episode. A couple other things that are interesting. Adam's going to be talking about his dating life. And you know what? I won't even get into all of the tangents, but some of them are pretty funny. It's good. And we end up with almost an hour episode here for the top mistakes that you might make in the cryptocurrency space is a newbie. So if you're interested in hearing the stories, the tangents, and those mistakes, that episode begins right now. All right, what's up, what's up, everybody? Crypto Basic, what's up, boys? Kareem and Adam. Hola. Yo, yo. It's time to have... Another episode of the podcast. And of course, today's episode will be in Spanish. Que pasa? <laughs> we Cinco will say them. the word money a lot. It's the Spanish word for money, Kareem. What is that exactly? Monero, as everybody knows. <laughs> <laughs> for, for the listeners that don't remember that, go uh, back and listen to our Monero 101 episode. Yeah. That's it. You either get the joke or you don't get the joke. <laughs> I think it's it's like Hint, that little snippet I'm we put on idiot. the beginning, so it'll it'll be right there. <laughs> yeah, you won't the, have to dig very far. <laughs> I wasn't a part of the podcast for the Monero episode, so for a second, you had me confused and be like, I thought it was the narrow. What the hell's going on? And then the I was like, narrow. oh, wait, it is. It's a joke. Okay. Good. <laughs> Clearly, your knowledge of Spanish surpasses mine, Adam, because I was pretty <laughs> adamant about the fact that I'm a neuro. <laughs> I mean, I only grew up speaking Spanish my whole life, so totally acceptable that I uh, make that fuck up. But continue, Brent. All right. So speaking of mistakes that we have made, uh, I made a big one, and I because I made a big mistake, I wanted to immediately bring that mistake to the audience so they could rib me. So they could make fun of me or maybe so they could learn a little something from my mistake. And then I thought it would be interesting to talk about some other similar mistakes that you could make. 
So you guys may have caught a little bit of this in the Discord, because if you're in the Discord, I did talk about it there already as it was kind of happening. So first things first, I sent money to the wrong address. That is the crux of this whole scenario, but it's kind of a comedy of errors that got me to that position. Is it is it out of line for me to request that Jason, our amazing editor, insert the Nelson from The Simpsons? Ha ha. Ha ha. Is that rude? <laughs> <laughs> you just hit feel, that button every like time you, you I feel like you kind of just did it. You know, it's like no need to add it in because oh. you, you did a great job of, of You're mimicking welcome, the soundbite. Here I am making your life easy, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> So if you if you subscribe to our newsletter, you know that Nano is in my portfolio. And I also wanted to go check on the Maker DAO because I hadn't been there in a long time. And I wanted to see what the process was like. So I was like, you know what? I need to put a little bit more Nano in my portfolio anyway. So why don't I go make some dye on the Maker DAO and put the Nano in the portfolio that way? I want to I wanted to kind of almost make an episode out of that where I went and did that and explained the experience and the process. And then of course it got overridden by this. So I went, one one thing I will say is that the maker DAO has improved significantly since the last time I used it. And it was already a pretty good experience. So now it's even easier to see where you're at with your leverage needed. And if you need to deposit more, or if you're in danger of being possibly liquidated, I know they had that issue pretty recently where the contract kind of failed, but whatever, I'm not locking a lot of money up in there. So the amount of money we're talking about here is like, I think, 276 nano, which is only like 160 US dollars like at the time. So basically, I went, I locked enough Ethereum to get 160 die out and not be in any danger of liquidation. And I was like, all right, let's go see how this works. So I, I sent the die to Kraken. So I make the buy. And, and while I'm waiting for all that to kind of finish, I open up my ledger, my, my ledger nano S. Yes, Kareem. Sorry, Brent, is it possible maybe for some people that haven't heard that episode, even though you a quick primer on MakerDAO, like just some like real. Yeah, we should do a whole decentralized finance episode at some point. But to really sum up kind of quickly the the MakerDAO and what it is and how it works, we have a long episode on it. But the quick version is you can create or you can leverage the cryptocurrency that you have by locking it in a smart contract. So I can take, say, 10 Ethereum. I can lock that into a smart contract and then borrow against my Ethereum DAI, which is a stable coin on the dollar. Now, that, that smart contract has a very complicated set of rules for how it keeps the value of that DAI. And we do go over that in the episode and how it works. But basically, the smart contract is designed so that the DAI is worth $1. And it has been worth $1, even though they had some issues. So... Say I borrow 100 die against that 10 Ethereum contract. In order for me to ever get my Ethereum back, I have to pay back the die to that contract. So I have to pay back $100 to release my 10 Ethereum, which of course I'll do because it's worth more than, than $100. And if I wanted to borrow more, I could. If I wanted to pay it down with the Ethereum that's already in there, I could. So there's lots of different ways. And it's just, a, it's a way to kind of, almost double expose yourself and stuff like that. So it's a, it's a tool that could be used in the right scenario. Definitely don't over leverage yourself if you end up getting to a point where you get liquidated, which means that the contract sells your Ethereum because they have to in order to retrieve the money. There's a huge penalty. It's like 13 or 14% or something. So you don't ever want to get into that, into that scenario. Anyway, 
that's what I did. I, I went ahead and grabbed a little bit. I sent it to Kraken because one, Kraken has die as a trading pair, and more exchanges are getting it too. Like even uh, Gemini just added it on there, which I haven't used them in forever, but they only had like two coins the last time I used them. So if they, they're adding it, then Coinbase has it. Everybody has die at this point. It's getting a lot more adoption. I appreciate that versus Tether. So I sent on there, I bought my Nano, whatever. So now I got to hold my Nano somewhere. I got to hold my Nano on my Ledger Nano S. I pull it out and I'm, I'm looking at it and I'm like, man, I, there was an address on there that had a 20, like there's a couple of addresses. You can have as many as you want that had 20 Nano sent to it. And I'm like, what? I don't remember having any Nano on that address. Where did that come from? So I go to the Block Explorer. I go to the Block Explorer to check it out. And I see this, like, it doesn't make any sense. There's all these transactions that I definitely have never done on this wallet or been a part of. So somebody sent me Nano that was, like, doing Nano casinos and, like, doing, like, this Nano poker drip or something. It was just a bunch of things that, Nobody I know in the crypto space would be kind of involved in, right? So I'm trying to rack my brain. Like, did I send my address to a listener at some point or do we post it in the nano episode? I even go back and I look at our nano episode and think maybe we posted uh, an address for donations. We didn't. Uh, and, and 20 nano at the time that it was sent to me was worth a lot more money. So or a lot more dollars. Anyway, it was it was like over two and a half years ago. So I'm like, man, I, 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 I rack my brain. I go through all this and eventually I just chalk it up to random. I'm like, I don't know how that got there, but whatever. I guess I got 20 nano and an airdrop. Or I don't know. I don't know how it happened. So I go on Kraken. I send myself my nano and I'm good. But here's where I messed up. I had copy pasted that nano address that sent me the nano into the block explorer because that's how I was investigating what it was. Then when I copy copied my address to my own wallet i guess it didn't go on my clipboard and i pasted a nano address that looked similar but was not the same into kraken and kraken validated it as a real nano address and when i withdrew i sent 273 nano to this mystery address that was not mine i gotta interrupt here brent the whole thing, like you copy pasting and it doesn't go into the clipboard and the clipboard something else. This is literally my nightmares. Like I, yeah. you know, this uh, is literally uh, like there should be music right now. This is advanced stuff. It's it's advanced stuff. You're talking about. I mean, you're. I would say you're an advanced, maybe expert crypto user, and this kind of happened to you. You know, it's just hard to. This is an issue with adoption, also. You know, if it's happening to you. It's happening to others. We got to figure something out so it doesn't happen to, you know, Karen, you know. Yeah, that's that's all. It's interesting because I've we've talked on the show about how I have that anxiety when I send things uh, a lot. And I've been sending a lot of transactions, especially to the ledger, because I kind of rebalanced recently and I took more money off exchanges. So I guess I just got into the flow of things and was like pretty sure I normally what I do and what you should do is double check. You you need to look at the first three and the last three uh, digits or numbers or letters or whatever they are on the different address and just make sure that it's the same. If you if you happen to copy paste and it and the first three and the last three are still the same and you get it wrong, like, yeah, that's kind of sucks. But on Ethereum, don't just look at zero X, look at everything that comes after that. So 
I didn't do that. And if I had, I would have caught it. Another thing you can do to protect yourself is to send a small transaction first. Problem is on exchanges, they, they have a minimum that they charge you when you cash out. So they, it's not always feasible to send yourself a small transaction. And honestly, this was a small transaction. So you're right. This, and we've said this before. This is one of the problems in the space. At some point, usernames or an easy way to do this has to start existing because there, it looked enough like the address that I knew I was supposed to be pasting that I didn't catch it. And that's why until we have that, until we have an easy Venmo-like way to send this stuff, it's not getting adopted. I have a question regarding adoption, I guess, maybe going moving back to the internet and how transfers kind of worked. Was there ever a layer, you know, added to the internet that kind of allowed for usernames? You know, I, I don't know the history of it that well. I just kind of popped on in like the mid 90s and started using it. But I'm curious if beforehand there was an issue like that and they figured out a way. I mean, in a lot of ways, but I don't know if we should look at it internet-wide as much as platform-specific, right? Like uh, whether first there were emails and social media platforms and there were just different, maybe platforms is the right way. And, you know, there are different ways to to you know create usernames or handles. You know, the real... And we see it now, like you said, with Venmo and Cash App. So we know it's very doable. We don't know how, um, how that'll relate to like anonymity and stuff. But um, I think we have seen it platform wide you know yeah it there was a there was a point where the internet was much more unruly uh, a website address that they didn't originally exist as as far as how the internet worked right it was kind of like in fact that guy just quit amazon right the guy that uh, helped create xml what was his name I don't that, know. Was, uh, that was the guy that created uh helped create xml the guy the vp that resigned from yeah amazon? yeah, yeah. Wow. hilariously Amazon, so a, a vice president at Amazon, and I can't remember this guy's name, so I'm going to look it up real quick, just a tangent. We talked about him on the podcast before. So I read it on the article I read says like Amazon employee quits in protest of mm-hmm. like, you know, the, the workers, right? The treatment, right. It was Tim Bray who was the, uh, he was the co-creator of XML, like the internet as we know it back in the 90s when we're dealing with like Netscape Navigator and stuff that this is the guy. And he was a VP. So the, the article was like, oh, yeah, somebody quit. No, like a huge person quit and he gave up a million dollars to do it. And he just couldn't believe the way the uh, the workers were being treated. Uh, and they, they basically fired employees who were saying bad things about what Amazon was doing with regard to handling the coronavirus. So just uh, go show you, even though a company that we all use and we all like and I, I even invest in can turn evil very, very quickly. And I want to reframe that real quick. The incentive of the company will always be profit above any kind of human value. And maybe that's not necessarily evil, but it's what we have to accept that the way these companies are structured, like if a company is really good at capitalism, that will inevitably eventually lead to it crushing its workers and exploiting consumers Yeah, without being evil, you know? Circling back, so... Do you think that, you know, when you get some routers, instead of it being, you know, when you have to plug in the internet with the username and password, instead of it being like a bunch of digits and a bunch of numbers or numbers and and letters, it's now random words like ice cream, you know, uh, potato, 704 or something. 
And it's like, that's what... And I, now we all know Adam's Wi-Fi password. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Completely random. Yeah. Uh, but it's like, it's, now, well, it's probably yogurt, 704. There you go, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it started, you know, it started spitting out these random words. And I'm curious if maybe that is an option for crypto users in the future. You know, like, I guess, like, yeah, you can do the 12 words that yeah, they... That's a lot harder. But if you had just, like, a phrase that could tie to your address... Maybe that was completely gener- randomly generated. Maybe that would be easier. I don't know. Yeah, I, layers and layers are happening. I see it happening in the future. Um, but for right now, we're not there. And for right now, we can make this mistake. And and I did. So I even tried to kind of like figure out who this guy was. I went into the Nano Discord, and I, I, well, first I went into Nano Wallet because Nano Wallet's Discord was this guy was pointed at NanoWallet.io as his delegate. So I thought maybe he could have been like, maybe I did sign up for Nano Wallet like way back in the day. So I thought maybe it was like a bonus for signing up for them and it might just be their wallet. It was not. They're like, yeah, we don't know who this is, but they actually were able to see an email address that was associated with the account, but they wouldn't give it to me, obviously, because they, uh, that, yeah, I mean, good on them for not telling me what the email address was. They asked me if I had any email addresses that I could possibly think it was. I I went over like all of your email address, Locky, everybody that I thought maybe could have been involved with Nano, and they're like, no, nah, it's not any of that. So I was like, okay. So I I moved on from that. I went to the Nano Discord. They had a guy who ran a service that was one of the things that was in there, and he was able to find an Instagram account. And uh, he's like, look, I'm not going to give you the Instagram account, but I will reach out to the person for you. And you know, we never heard back. The Instagram account was also dormant, so. And the way Nano works, you can even see that the transaction is pending because you have to go in and accept it. You have to go in and say like, okay, on on my blockchain now, I get this. It's not like Bitcoin where it just goes there. So it stays pending. And that wallet hasn't done anything since 2018. So I'm not seeing that money ever again. I sent it into the Ether and whatever. So I just borrowed some more money on the contract and bought the same amount of Nano Uh, (laughs) and then sent it to myself correctly. But uh so that triggered in me, I wanted to kind of go over some of the pretty common mistakes that I think that anybody could make. And we are all scared of that mistake. We've said it on the show a million times, like anytime we send money, there is anxiety involved with it. And it's like, man, am I going to get this right? Am I going to get this right? So if you're sending a large sum, you should absolutely send a test amount first. Uh, and large is going to be a different definition for everybody. But, you know, if you're cashing out of an exchange and you're cashing out 10 grand, maybe send yourself a hundred first or 50 or whatever. The cash out fee isn't going to be that much in that case. Now I was sending $160 worth of crypto. It didn't make sense to pay, you know, $2 each time to cash it out or whatever, but I maybe it did. Maybe, maybe I should have done that. So send yourself the test transaction, double check your addresses every time and you will not do what I did. But yeah, that's how we ended up where we were. So. <clears throat> Some of the other just kind of, well, okay. So first I, I Googled like common mistakes in crypto to kind of get my mind flowing. I was hoping somebody had made an article like this and result is it's all about trading, which obviously I have no interest in giving anybody like the common mistakes that you make when you're trading. Right. So gave up on that. And I just kind of made my own list, uh, not very well researched, just things that I see people possibly doing incorrectly. And if you guys have your own, feel free to chime in. So. Mistake number one was sending cryptocurrency to the wrong address, which we just went over. But there's other things you could do wrong, too. 
like sending Bitcoin to a Bitcoin cash address or sending Ethereum to an Ethereum classic address. You need to make sure you're staying within the chain that you intend to stay in to send that. So if you set, I know there's, I think there's a fix if you send Bitcoin to a Bitcoin cash address, but it can't be easy. And I would suspect that there's a good chance that that's just gone. And I, I suspect it's the same on Ethereum. So I don't know anybody's actually done that, but I know it could be done. And one thing I will say, uh, and I know we've touched on this multiple times, but it's the improvement of the technology, right? The wallets themselves, as the designers get better and the blockchains get better and the products get better, are able to give us feedback and protections without needing a third party. So for example, a really good wallet might be able to detect that you're not sending to the right chain and give you a, a message. Uh, right. Just like even even the fact that wall, a lot of wallets convert values for us now when they used to not, right? Like right. they just make things easier, right? And th- and this is why, where the engineering comes in because uh, like we said way back when all this started, if somebody like Brent, who's generally tech savvy, who is smart, who does his, let's say, when I say do research, I'm not just talking about like investment research, but like, whoa, 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 whoa. We don't need no, to keep going. Don't, no, don't, no, don't inflate his ego too much. I, I won't, but here's a reality about Brent <laughs> that is undeniable, right? That I think that there are two types of people, the, the type of people that ask somebody else the question and the type of person that Googles it first, right? So if Brent stumbles on a problem, he's going to open up Google and start get to work, right? Like if he needs to fix a thing or whatever, he's going to look it up and he's going to find what people are doing. So he already has the tools in place to not have problem like this. And he still stumbles and falls flat on his face. I just, I just want to say that I am the latter, the other guy, you know, <laughs> but I have gotten better over the years. I, I do learn. I will that I don't have to ask every dumb question to the people that actually Googled it prior. You you come with more relevant questions that maybe are not at at the level that Brent maybe is asking some other people, but it's Kareem, just, you I'm going to give you a third type of person, the type of person that sends Adam, let me Google that for you links when he asks the question. Oh, <laughs> no, I, yeah. I love that. I, 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 uh, <laughs> I, somebody in college did that to me and I loved it. Like I asked a stupid question and they sent me a link and the link just took me to a blank Google page that then filled out in front of me with my question. And it was the most <laughs> fu acceptable thing that I was like, oh yeah, this makes yeah, f me for I get it. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Anyway, end result is any yeah. There, what we're saying is people can make this mistake still, and and it's sad. Here's another mistake that I have actually run into where it didn't hurt me, but it could have. Not treating your recovery seeds properly. Back way early when I first kind of started messing around in crypto. I ended up, I think I had a Neo wallet or something at some point. And I, I wrote down my seed phrase, but I didn't put it where I put all my other seed phrases. I put it off to the side and decided I would get to it later. Um, I hadn't sent any Neo to the wallet or anything like that. And I always, I left when I had that Neo, I left on the exchange and I never ended up cashing it out, but I made the wallet because I was eventually going to put it on there so I could get the gas, right? Then later I, I was going through all my wallets and I'm, and I was making sure like, to check them to see if they had anything. And I couldn't find the fr- the way to back up my Neo wallet because I had, I had a new computer. I'd thrown it away. I had written the seed phrase down and I didn't put it in the vault section of my life that I should have put it into. And it therefore got lost. It was gone. If I had transferred that Neo to that account, it would now be gone. So treating your recovery seeds properly, because here's the thing. When you make a password normally, 
on on a normal service like today, you know that you can just click I forgot my password and get it back. So you don't think about what happens if you lose that phrase if you're not properly trained on what happens. What's going to happen is the first time you screw it up, you're going to lose a bunch of money and you're going to cry. So <laughs> and most of the time, Brent, anyway, even if even if like you had some kind of complication, there's almost always a central authority, right? Like right. whether it's Google or Facebook or or your bank, it almost never involves money. You almost never lose money by forgetting your password. And if it was if it was something like Cash App or Venmo, there's recourses. Mm-hmm. My there friend, for, my friend forgot his Bitcoin, his password to his Bitcoin wallet for three years. And then one day he figured it out after doing some research or whatever. But yeah. Wow. You just wow. you just forget it. You don't write it down or whatever. Like, good luck getting back in. One thing that I was thinking about was fat finger typos or like, you know, when you fat finger something. Yeah. Which I, this is like kind of me just wanting to tell a story. But yeah, last go night, go ahead. Last night, I was talking to this girl and for That's some absurd drag. reason, I decided like I sent a, I sent an exclamation point. But somehow my fat finger hit uh, a question mark as well. And then it made me look like, you know, like, what? You know, it was like, <laughs> instead of like, what? Um, so, That's awesome. so, like, Yay. And you're yeah. like, Yay. So I had, to, I had to be like, oh, oops, like typo. And then I just went like hashtag fat finger typo for no, like, sh- this girl's not going to know what this means. And I don't, I've never said, oh, I fat fingered something, but I did last night. And then she was just like, what? So then I had to like Google what the definition of fat fingering was. And, and I told her, and it sounds a little, um, a little naughtier when you're, uh, uh, yeah, which, I was going to say, but, I'm pretty sure if you've never met this girl and you're just like, sorry, fat fingers, yeah. she's like, hmm, am I intrigued or yeah, turned on? I don't know. So, <laughs> that was my so, nickname in high school. Oh uh, God. Oh boy. Brand so fat so, fingers. He, Keeping this show on track, I just thought it was funny that I like I had to reference it yesterday and then immediately realized I had to actually show her the definition. And now we're mm-hmm. talking about, you know, similar stuff today. So the real point of that story is Adam talks to girls. Sick brag. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so do you. I actually saw your girlfriend on, um, on the, the Zoom stream. Last weekend, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. the the DJ shout stream? out all all day I stream, yeah, there there yeah. I saw Paula, <laughs> she she was uh crushing it for a while, yeah, yeah, and uh we actually ran into each other like so I was watching one of these live streams with uh with the Paula Brent and um somebody on the chat said something like oh I'm just listening to this and playing poker all day and the screen name was like some version of ruthless and I was like. <laughs> Ruthless, is that you? It's Kartoshi. <laughs> and he's like, Kartoshi! <laughs> we just, yeah, we like, we like said hi on stream for a few seconds and then it like passed. And yeah, it's super fun. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was fun. Yeah, that's a all day I stream is what you guys are talking about. It's a, it's a site that one of our friends is involved in making where they kind of curate all the, the DJ streams around the web that are happening because of the lockdown. So yeah, and like DJs, rappers cool and stuff. Yeah. It was just like a good, cool innovation, I guess, uh, or, or response to quarantining. And, and the fact that DJs are, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm a big music guy and DJs are a lot of DJs and artists. The way they make money is by going out and like really touring. Like honestly, mm-hmm. yeah. recent years, it changed from just, you know, instead of right. downloads, it's now touring is where you make all your money. 
and you can't tour right now. So they're doing a lot of streams and it's been very like kind of, it's been good for me because, you know, I can just sit at home and dance and stuff. Yeah, no, it's great. The music's good. And <clears throat> I've seen a lot of charity events too. So, you know, yeah, nice. Yeah. All right. Back to, you know, the crypto <laughs> podcast. Adam's fat finger is actually a, a concern when you're typing your password. That's why most sites will make you retype your password. If you're just typing it in, I, usually I generate a random one and then copy paste it. But I have also copy pasted wrong things in before where there is a password out there that's an address. And I was just like, you know what? That's secure enough that I just left it. So like it was uh, it wasn't like a, a useful service, but I pasted an address that not even one that belongs to me, one that I was like sending an order to in Wild Foods. So somebody's random address is one of my passwords on one of my shitty sites that I never use. But I, rem- I realized that that's what I copy pasted. So so I need to be a little bit more careful with my copy pasting clearly. But you could type you could try to be typing in like password one and you could type in password one or something. And if you didn't double check that, you could end up with the wrong password. And then there you go. But most good wallets and services will have a way to prevent that. And even with the seed phrase getting you to treat it properly, they do have a way to to double check you and make sure that you wrote it down. They say, write this down. And then people don't. And then they're like, "Okay, well, we're not going to use the wallet until you put these words in order or tell us the first ninth, 12th, and 13th word. 100%. And I can say specifically, I know that Horizon has something similar to that. I know that Cardano has something mm-hmm. because I've experienced the wallets. And guess what? That goes back to the engineering conversation we're doing, unfortunately, but good products often protect consumers from themselves. So yep. even that little step of saying, write down your passphrase, and instead of just saying, hey, everybody for themselves, we just got to trust that the consumer did it. And if they didn't, then they don't belong in crypto. No. Just have a system in place so that they get it like, dude, you really need to write this down. And if you don't write this down, we're not even going to create this wallet for you. Yeah. Oh, that's, that, that is a good, I, li- I like that. Yeah. We need to know that you saved this somewhere. Right. Otherwise, yep. it's just a complaint waiting to happen. Yeah. It's a very good process. So that, the other thing. That could, be, of- that could be kind of like a conversely or, you know, an issue because if it's you basically you have to be doing it from a trusted source you know like if you're doing cardano may be cool but like let's say that they now know that this file exists on your computer no no because it shouldn't a, exist on your computer you're writing filing, it down yeah it's yeah, not but, a file on your computer oh, you, right so oh you send the, wallet, the picture okay no no so the wallet gives you the 20 phrase and they say write this down this is your recovery phrase and then once you press okay instead of them just saying okay now here's your wallet then it has a confirmation all right put in your recovery phrase real quick and we'll just make sure it's the right one and if you can't get past that step, you're just not going to move on with the creation process. So right. you have confirmed at least one to the system, not to any central authority, but to the system itself, that you have the information because you just gave it back to them. No, yeah, I have done that. You're right. That's a that's smart. And you should be writing it down physically, not uh, not saving doing, it to yourself uh, in your saving email. it to your computer, yeah, because or any of that. <laughs> Do yeah. not send it to yourself in your email labeled cryptocurrency key. <laughs> yeah. going to be on the search bar of the hackers that get into your email. <laughs> yeah. So going on with password situations, another one that you can come up with with passwords is getting too tricky and doing a password and tricking yourself out of it. So let's say you're, you're dealing with crypto and you know that it's super serious, but you're one of those people who hasn't listened to our episode on security and you're using the same stupid password for everything that you've been using for the last 15 years, right? So you're like, ah, yeah, password 23. Nobody will ever figure out that as you wear your Jordan jersey. But the like, you're like, oh, man, Bitcoin, I got to get real serious. I got to make a better password. 
And then you do the same thing that you've been doing and you make another password and you just assume you're going to remember it. Human memory is shitty. It's really shitty. Like you can make up things in your head. You can like create memories that aren't there and you can you forget things constantly. So if you were to do that and get a little bit too tricky with your password, you may never remember that if you don't access that wallet for a period of time. You're doing it every day. That's fine. The reason you remember that stupid and you should not have the same password for everything. And I'm not even advocating that this is there's a better way to make a password. But if you do try to get tricky and you do, you're like, yeah, this is my new cool password. It's going to be good. I'm never going to forget this. You know, like four score and seven years ago, I went to all day. I stream and danced with Kareem's girlfriend. Bam. Best password ever. And then you make that your password. And then like the next year, you don't even remember that there was a, you know, an all day I stream or something like that. You know, like, so don't. Trick yourself with the passwords. Have a good password uh, method. There, we, we talk about them on the security episode, but you either have a random password for everything and a very secure password vault, or you have a password algorithm so that no matter what the thing is, you know what your password is and you can recite it yourself. It is more secure to have the random password for everything, but either of those are good. They're, they should dissuade a hacker. But what you don't want to do is just come up with a password and think you're going to remember it because you're not. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. Yeah, and just to reiterate what Brent said, nothing is going to compare to the security of randomness like because it's literally random. Mm -hmm. But even just having an algorithm that forces you to change, because as we always try to remind you guys, the biggest threat of being scammed is through broad branch attacks that are targeting a lot of people. And then you just kind of get low-hanging fruit. And then if they see a password that's repeated somewhere else, they're just going to try it out everywhere else. It's not like somebody's like looking at your passwords and seeing if they can reverse engineer algorithms unless they're specifically trying to hack you, you know? Right. Yeah, it's like on a paste bin or something that they just go and like, oh, this is the username. This is the password. Let's just exactly. copy this on a bunch of random red websites. Correct, correct. And a little plug uh, for the password manager I use, I use Bitwarden and they, for like a dollar a year or something like that or $5 a year, you get access to all their premium features and it's the you know it's my favorite service you you don't have to you don't have to use that at all but i do because it checks your password against known dark web databases and stuff like that so it's a really cool tool anyway so don't get too tricky with your own passwords that could be a way to do it you could end up using a nefarious wallet kareem i know that this happened to you in the beginning where there or it was a seed phrase generator for iota i think right mm mm-hmm. mhm where I actually I don't know if it happened to you or not, or if it just happened and you thought it might have happened to no. you. Okay, so what happened was somebody created IOTA had a real complicated system where you had to generate a seed and it had to be random and X amount of whatever. So somebody created a generator that would create a password based on your mouse movements. So that's pretty random. So you just kind of move your mouse around the screen and then based on that it it uh, creates a password. Later it turns out that somebody was using those sites to um it was actually recording the passwords and then going to take out the money out of the IOTA accounts. Luckily, very luckily, it turns out that when I had done used the service just to be safe, after it gave me the random generation, I changed two characters at the beginning and at the end that were just my, I just decided to change them to specific letters or numbers. And uh, even though I had used the corrupt, the, basically the service that was stealing from people, that little extra step I took at the end saved me. Right. So it's possible to get a nefarious action like that. 
There could be a wallet that's nefarious. There could be a generator that's nefarious. So when you're getting into this, rather than exposing yourself to any sort of attack vector, the correct thing to do is go to the site of the coin or project that you're getting involved in. Figure out what their main site is. Don't even Google it because scammers will pay for ads to go to the top, right? What you want to do is you want to find the subreddit and you want to find the actual project and go to their site, their .org or whatever it happens to be. And on there, they will have a list of actual approved wallet gear, stuff that is open source and that they have vetted for not having these problems. And that's when you go do a wallet, do it that way. Don't just grab it off a Facebook ad or off of a forum or anything like that. Even if it seems like a good tool that somebody in the community has made, what we you need to make sure that it's open sourced and it's double checked by people who are smarter than you before you start using it. So next thing that, that I would say is a, a lot of this came up about trading. And here's what I'll say on trading. Here's the mistake you can make with trading. Trading with urgency at all in either direction. If you feel yourself urgently thinking, I got to buy this now before X happens, or I got to sell this now before Y happens, you are probably not thinking about trading properly. And you should just take a step back. Right before we got on the show with Adam, uh, I today was the day that I dollar cost average a little bit into Bitcoin. I looked at it and I was like, damn it, I really don't want to like buy more Bitcoin today because it's up to at the time we're recording this, it was at like 9,600 and it's on the tail end of like a rise, but I have no clue whether it's going to keep going up or if it's going to go down or what. So even though I had hesitation, I had to double check and think to myself, like, what am I doing here? You bought Bitcoin today? I I did too. I did too. Yeah. I I just, I bought it today. So I did. um, (laughs) You should do that. You should buy it right now. Live on air. Buy it all. Buy now. It can uh, only go up. It cannot look at my chart guys. I've actually been tracking Bitcoin, and according to my fantasies, it's going to the moon. Well, I can't show you. Continue. <laughs> yeah, you well, can't, was, can't that be us that secret trading algorithm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What are you doing? Uh, Just trust me, it's going up by a lot. Can't tell you how much, but, you know, guaranteed. We are not. That was a joke, <laughs> audience. Just listening. We have no clue. <laughs> that was a joke. Yeah. But, so, Bitcoin is, I've been telling some friends who are not, at all involved they're just like oh bitcoin it's go like they're newbies you know i feel like we're seasoned vets at this point we've now been through a full bear bull cycle i'd say um all the stock market people were hilarious they're like oh my god my stocks have gone down 11 and a half percent and we're just like (laughs) (laughs) those are rookie numbers you got to get those numbers up yeah (laughs) But but I mean, like, it, it's just funny because we all kind of go through the same pattern, uh, just the way that we like watching them and like, oh, man, I was like you back in the day. And I've just been telling, hey, just do this. Maybe buy five. Just say, hey, I want to buy five hundred dollars worth of Bitcoin. Buy a hundred dollars for like five days straight. Yeah, maybe it's not like you may if you want to do it like longer, you know, maybe the right way of dollar cost averaging, sure. But I just been loosely kind of just been like, dude, if you're gonna buy, just like stop trying to game the market because you're not, it's not gonna yeah. happen. Markets are, are not, do they say markets are irrational or it's like markets do not react the way that you think they're gonna react? So I guess, yeah, it would be somewhat irrational. But it's really easy to convince yourself that they do. Yeah. You, you, you'll look at it and be like, oh, I knew it was going to go up because of 
blank, pick blank, your blank. input. Or I knew it was going to go down because of pick another input. Like you can always in reverse try to figure this stuff out. But as we've said plenty of times on the show, experts do not have remarkable accuracy in predicting this stuff. No. I, I just want to bring it back to poker real quick because it's really it, it. This is just it's crazy to me that I don't think there are many things in life that truly teach results oriented thinking like teach how to stop results oriented thinking there's the even ma- there's even corporations that push it they there were a results oriented organization here it, yeah it, it so much so adam you you're so right about what you're saying that for a lot of people it would have a negative connotation if you told them that you're not results oriented. They would almost think like, oh, so you don't care what actually happens. And, and if you do something and, and it doesn't work out, you're still not going to change your opinion. When in reality, what Adam is saying by we should not be results oriented, it's not that the results don't matter at all. Of course, we can factor in and see if things played out in ways that we expected. But that the moment you understand that life markets have variance, the moment you understand that you can make the right decision and get unlucky or make the wrong decision and get lucky, the that's the moment that you stop placing all of your eggs in the basket of what ended up happening and more into, okay, what process do I use to make this decision? Process, this decision not, good? Not, yeah. It's like we're reverse engineering why we didn't do well or why we did do well. And we always need to have a reason and can't just understand that sometimes, hey, maybe it had nothing to do with your your skill and it was just luck or vice versa. And it's human nature. Yeah. It is human nature to develop that narrative and we have to kind of fight our nature on things. A lot of times it's human nature to eat like a bunch of sugar and stuff too. Like the, there's a lot of things that is in our nature that is not conducive to our current environment. It, look back, you, all of religion is basically telling a story to explain crap. You know, like if you really put it at its core, why is the sun having an eclipse? Well, we don't even understand what the sun is. So we have to make up stories about gods like that so that our we understand why this is happening. So our brains are very, very good at this. They've been very good at this for a long time. But we have to make sure we don't fall for that. But this is supposed to be mistakes that, that any average fool can make in crypto. And the, the last one that I pulled was uh, buying a Ledger Nano S which of course you can buy with the link in our show notes or clicking on the banner on our site, any of that. Uh, we get a little, mm. I think we actually have made like $50 in referral fees off that. Maybe a little bit more. I don't know, but a bunch of our listeners have in fact used that referral code. So it's pretty cool. Anyway, buy it directly from Ledger. Do not buy it anywhere else. Don't buy it on Amazon. Don't buy it on at Walmart or whatever. It doesn't matter. Nowhere but the actual source for a Ledger or a Trezor or whatever hard wallet you've decided to use. If it's trusted, Make sure their code is open source and all that, but do not buy it from anywhere but the the source. That's another easy way to open yourself up to an attack. And now there's lots of other mistakes that you can make, and we could go on into them for days. But do you guys have any that are glaring things that I didn't grab? I'm not going to say one that was simple, but the closest that I ever came to getting kind of wrecked was, I guess I was in a District 0x Discord. Um, they actually had a ton of crazy... Uh, they had a lot of issues, kind of like like people posing as some of the head guys DMing, you know, saying, hey, we need to change this or that. And there was there was one that was actually saying, oh, we're actually a security and we need your coins so we can burn them and then we're going to swap them out. And I just was I knew that they were dealing with security issues at the time. So I was just like, uh, OK, 
And and then I just realized like, "Mm, maybe not, maybe I shouldn't do that. But it's like, no one is ever going just to keep it very simple. No one is ever going to ask you for your private key from any coin that is no any no project no project no project any, will any, dm you no yes it's yeah, just like I mean, strictly that's something that was that people kind of got away with back in the day it's not a thing anymore they still do it, it just happened yesterday guys yeah. it's literally honestly you know what this reminds me of it's exactly like the nigerian prince scams via email right it's like they're new they get a couple of people like you know, you get the email saying, hey, I'm a Nigerian or whatever, and I have money, but I got to move it to the States. I got to find someone who's trusted. And believe it or not, plenty of people fell for it. Then it became literally pop culture. And now only the, you know, most careless people fall for that scam. But I'm sure those emails are still being sent. Yeah, I was just in the Horizon Discord and we had a, a DM from what looked like an official source. They even had a GitHub and everything. And it was just changed by a couple letters and it was trying to basically steal your shit. They were on top of it immediately letting all the users know that they would never DM you, that this is just a scam or whatever. But they're there. They're out there. So don't ever listen to a DM. That is a good source unless you're playing Dungeons and Dragons. So to wrap this up, I, I so I said I Googled trying to find like some people who had written an article about this to see if maybe I could agree with them or pull a couple of ideas from that. And I couldn't find anything except for trading. But I did find one article on Quora where somebody responded and it wasn't specifically about trading necessarily. And I just wanted to go over this and and, and I'm actually going to tie it together in the end to another episode. It'll be interesting. But here's his top seven reasons why or things you should avoid in, in crypto. Being emotional is number one. The best trader is the trader without any emotions that is not phased by a 200% increase or a 70% dip and just takes po- profit or rebuys more. That's a little bit weird because he's talking about it in the vein of trading. I kind of agree with the not being emotional, but I don't know. The rest of it is kind of funny. Next one. This is tell me if you agree with this. It is a mistake to not buy low and sell high. (laughs) This might seem obvious, but the majority of crypto traders simply do the opposite. How do I know? Because people bought in lots of Bitcoin when it was already at 15,000 and they sold lots when it was down at 10,000 and some sold when it was down at 7,000, making it crash to 5,800. <laughs> so hold on, I'm going to keep going. You can react to these as they um, making all or nothing buys is his third. So, so these were trading related. Uh, putting all your eggs in one basket is another example. I agree with both of those making all or nothing buys and putting all their eggs in one basket, I guess both mistakes, putting all their coins on one crypto wallet. Uh, he says, have them distributed through exchanges, online wallets, cold wallets, and paper wallets. I kind, I don't know. Like, I guess if one wallet gets hacked, then all your money gets hacked. So as you get larger sums, you should have multiple ledgers, I guess. That kind of makes sense to me. Yeah. And here's one that I totally agree with. Don't invest more than you can afford to lose, number six. Uh, and he's saying, you know, if you put more money into crypto than you can afford to lose, you also become more emotional, make bad trades. So he pulls it back to trading, I guess. Finally, last one, Adam, pay attention here. Big mistake is, although this is the reason I grabbed this, it was kind of funny. Buying coins that are hyped without any substantial improvement in tech, which I kind of agree with. <laughs> examples are, he lists this as examples. Uh-oh. EOS, Tron, Bitcoin, oh, and Litecoin. Uh, EOS was is worse than Elastos, but has a 20x higher market cap only through hype and also possibly through artificial pumping by the EOS team. It's extremely centralized. 
uh, this is he just goes on and talks shit about EOS for a little bit. Then he says Tron should only be worth a few hundred million, but it's worth a billion because Justin Sun was thought to have a partnership with Alibaba, even though he only attended the same university as Jack Ma. But like this guy makes a great point. But how did Bitcoin get put into the hype train with Tron and EOS? That's like so, so random. But to bring it all back, I saw the name of the guy who wrote this. We've had him on the podcast. Really? Yes. So this, the guy who wrote this is Marius Kramer, who is, uh, he was the guy who was Ember the trader Fund, right? for Ember Fund. Yes. And he came on the show and he's the one who like, I tried to kind of stop him, but he was like, no, I'm going to go through all of the top 200 crypto and tell you whether he's just like, scam, 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 scam. Eh, okay, project. And and he had like a one liner for all of it. And I was like, man, there's no way you can know that much and have an opinion on 300 projects. It's just not possible. So, yeah, anyway, it was interesting to see that. And I remember him saying he was like the number one person on Quora. And this is from Quora. And and it was there. So I, as I was like somewhat agreeing and somewhat disagreeing and he was and this guy was saying some funny things. And I realized who it was. I had the same feeling when I was doing that interview where he was saying some things I agreed with. He was saying some things I disagreed with, but then he kind of like went way off the deep end there at, at some points. So that's as hilarious. Cool as I thought Ember Fund was that, uh, you know, he was definitely a polarizing character. That's hilarious because uh, I was thinking the exact same thing when you listed those four coins, because it's like I get what he's trying to say, because Litecoin really doesn't have much of it. Just was kind of like, you know, there. And it doesn't really have much of a use case. EOS and Tron are just kind of trying, you know, like Tron is not in a good light. And what are they doing exactly? They're yet to prove their platform. And then Bitcoin, it doesn't, isn't really a platform. So it kind of, it's just a store of value. So I guess from a platform sense, what is Bitcoin doing? But that's not the point of Bitcoin. So, I mean, yeah, it's like right, but not exactly. Yeah, Bitcoin's the only one that doesn't really fit. I get the, I, like you said, I get the Litecoin thing, and I know this might be blasphemy in some circles, but like I kind of see Litecoin in a similar vein that I see Bitcoin Cash or or something like that. It's just it's kind of a Bitcoin clone that's uh, below Bitcoin, you know? Yeah, and that might have arguable benefits, whatever. And I do 100% agree that EOS and Tron are the sketchiest big cryptos in crypto. <laughs> yep. Uh, it, it, now, get, to be fair, he wrote this two years ago, so he may have changed his opinion even before he got on the podcast. Because remember, Bitcoin was not in his Ember Fund uh, at the time, the one that he was running. So uh, he could have very easily uh, changed his opinion. Or And I had even asked him about that at the time. So I don't think he's like an anti-Bitcoiner, but it was just, yeah, it was really funny to see it there. So since we happened to mention Tron, I do want to say it's kind of hilarious that Justin Sun managed to get $2 million from the U.S. in the COVID-19 bailout package. What? <laughs> yes. Yeah. He, he, he applied for the PPP loan and got $2 million from it. Oh, my God. What? For what? Business. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would imagine BitTorrent because he bought BitTorrent, right? Mm. So, yeah, he got, a, he got a $2 million relief grant from the U.S. government. So we'll see if he... Uh, he does what, you know, the other people, like, what were the companies that have given it back? Like Shake Shack and... Oh, you uh, think he's going to be so pleb as to just give it back? No, no, no. What he's going to do is do some kind of complicated, 
announcement giveaway where he's going to give out twice as much as what he got, but it's going to be in some kind of tro- Tron token giveaway that'll have the winner reshuffled. It'll be more complicated than just giving the money back. I mean, come on, Brett. Do you know Justin? Uh, yeah, it's hilarious. So I didn't actually read the article, so I'm, I'm looking through it right now. It actually was Tron and not BitTorrent. So you can look at the article yourself. I'll throw it in the show notes, but whatever. <laughs> it's ridiculous that he may have actually gotten this. But anyway. Yeah, I see. This is like one of those things where it's like, yeah, there is a bit. It's like he shouldn't be doing that. But it's also like from what like Kareem said, from a business standpoint, like, like I think he the fact that he was able to do this is ridiculous. But also from a business, he was able to get two million dollars. He's not going to have to repay. Right. Yep. I, 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 know, I, can't, like, I certainly can't blame him. Yeah. It's like, why does it have to be freaking Tron? You know, if it was just like someone else like Cardano, whatever, like, ah, maybe whatever. But, you know, oh, good. You got some you got some cash. They wouldn't apply for it. Yeah, And, and I got to tell you, I actually have real beef with any company that's not an American company getting part of the bailout package. And as a matter of fact, I got beef with companies like Carnival and Royal Caribbean who specifically right. who specifically say they're not American companies so that they don't have to help with our tax burden then come in beg into the team. And so they can the, pay people dog shit money. Exactly. Exactly. You literally have been telling us for decades that the reason you don't owe us money and you get to pay slave wages is because you're from the Bahamas. Okay. So yep. I'll go to the Bahamas or go to Grand Cayman or whatever and and ask them for money. GTFO. Uh, this is ridiculous. Yep, and I I believe that's the line that Trump is taking. I I remember agreeing with him on that. I hope that stands, and and that they don't. I don't think that they should get the bailout for sure. Yeah. Or they could. They need to become American companies. Like if that were a condition of it, like yeah, we'll bail you out if you if you incorporate here, right. And start paying wages and stuff like that. Like as much as we talk smack about our minimum wage, the the workers on cruise ships. For anybody who's ever been on one, I mean, I've been on. I love cruises. I've been on at sea for over 175 nights uh, on cruises. I've talked to a lot of the cruise staff, good friends of somebody who worked as an art auctioneer on one of the cruises. They basically work 70, 80 hour weeks and they make something around like 100 or 200 bucks a week uh, in like if you're talking about the servers and there's different classes of the people who make the money. But for the most part, they're working to save a little bit of money so that they can you know, go back and provide for their families. Why you'll all, almost never run into an American on the ship except for like the art auctions or maybe the dancers yeah, or like the, the high singers, level people. Right. Yeah, like the comedian, the guy playing the guitar, but the person right. cleaning your room is never going to be American and they're always getting paid almost zero and they're literally working the entire time you're on the cruise. They yes. they like sleep and work and that's it. Jeez. If you go into the crew bar, there is a crew bar that I've heard stories of people sneaking into and, and being a part of that. They charge 25 cents for beers because that's the equivalent of the eight dollars they're charging the, the guests because that's what the crew can afford to pay. So, and, and look, yeah, just it, just to to kind of wrap this up, we understand and like Brent understands, right? That part of the reason we've gotten to enjoy cruises that we consider to be cheap and affordable compared to other vacations is because of this kind of structure. But you know, especially when we're talking about bailout money here, and especially talking about how much essential tax has been dodged by clever accounting that says they're from another country. They should definitely not qualify. And if you go bust, you go bust. Yep. I think airlines should be probably given bailouts based on how much of their own stock they bought back. Like the ones who bought back the most of their own stock should be given the least amount of bailout opportunity. 
but the cruises shit yeah they yeah get get wrecked but i think they'll be fine they have these massive ships that are actually assets so they'll probably be okay some of them like the biggest ones will probably survive the smallest ones probably won't imagine that <laughs> more consolidation of more industries I, who could have predicted that <laughs> yeah no way all right so somehow this episode about some crypto mistakes ended up uh, going on tangents of adam's dating life cruising uh we you mean we adam's into... dating life nice good callback well done man we when we got onto this episode we were sure it was going to be like a 20 25 minute episode i just looked down and it's somehow an hour so (laughs) we we did it (laughs) we stretched so that also means you guys are probably only getting this episode we'd be great at filibustering let's talk you know maybe politics don't be trying to get no bills past us also, uh, if you're in, if in the U- you're in the U.S., please contact your state representatives about the bill that is going to be hurting encryption. Uh, I- I'll even throw a link in the show notes for how you can do that. But uh, they're basically trying to sneak a- an anti-encryption piece onto a, a piece about the coronavirus uh, relief. But, so, Brent, you're saying, but the name says "Earn It." It's got to be good. <laughs> Earning isn't bad, you know. Yeah. A-, a bill can't like you got to look at the like title. The Port Defense Act. Yeah, yeah. The Freedom Act. <laughs> we have the freedom to surveil you for eternity. Damn it. And those outside the US, I don't know if this happens in other countries, but but yes, they're literally just tacking this on. It's not related to it at all. That's how we lost online poker in the US. We there was a bill called the Port Defense Act that made online poker illegal. That was the name of the bill. Yeah. Nothing it, was, online poker. It, had, it was gonna it was pass ridiculous. no matter what, two thousand six, and it was just like we're just gonna tack this on. This is never like I think it was oh man, I can't remember the a senator but yeah it was it was not good and then party poker had to pull out and then a few years later black friday happened and they kicked out all the rest of the poker sites out and we found out full tilt was a ponzi scheme but anyway yeah <laughs> all right so by the way we're not financial advisors we are kind of idiots clearly because i don't even know how to send money from wallet to wallet don't listen to anything we say you can learn from our mistakes that's one of the big perks. Don't send question marks. Don't send money to the wrong wallet. Check those and fat fingers. Yeah, fat fingers are good <laughs> for some things, but never for typing things on a computer or your phone. So remember all investments have inherent risk, and we love you all. Join us on Discord. Be a patron. We love it. See you next week. Peace. Later. Later.